With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Power to the people! Power to the people! Power to the people! Hello and welcome to No Confidence. My name is David Merlin. Nothing you'll hear me say is intended as legal advice. Anything that sounds like that to you, just consider something somebody else might do on a planet far, far away where the law matters. It doesn't matter here. I prove it on a daily basis. Believe it. Today's episode of No Confidence is my August 11th interview with David Tulis out of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Nooganomics is his website. Wonderful radio host. A very educated man. Always a pleasure to appear on his show. Today's interview centers, again, around the history of the Motor Vehicle Code as opposed to the right of public vehicular travel. I hope you enjoy the interview. So I do thank you for joining me here on our show. We're every, uh, every morning here at uh, AM 1240 Hot News Talk Radio uh, looking at local economy and the free market and trying to defend same and provide examples of uh, the freer life versus the, the more regulated life that people who are uh, friends of and subject to the good people uh, lead. One topic that, that I have uh, stressed as, as a, an odd area of liberty that we are overlooking is the use of the public road. And uh, I, have, uh, I have some questions today for a man who's thought about this a great deal longer than I have and has written legal briefs and uh, analyzed laws in his state of Washington uh, quite extensively and, and come, come to the argument and the position that uh, the right to travel by a, a conveyance of your choice by a car, let's say, a pickup truck, uh, even maybe even a motor vehicle, uh, is something that you have. You just don't know it. And what's, what has happened is that your right to exercise uh, travel, the property right of travel, has been subsumed, if you will, has been absorbed by the modern administrative state, which exists and fills the horizon. It's so, so fully fills the horizon that you can't see that you have a constitutional liberty somewhere in there, squeaking along the corners, if you will, uh, around the edges of this uh, of this giant this giant uh, system. Uh, but I believe it's there in Tennessee, and I believe that uh, my website nuganomics.com is the the place to go if you want to see where that liberty is, that narrow road, that crooked, tight road there uh, along the public way. Even I would say in the middle of the public way is there, and that uh, we. We are wise to think about uh, something that we've lost only by our ignorance, only because we've been bluffed into thinking that we don't possibly have that right, that all using of the road by motor vehicle, as it's called, is by permission, only by license. Uh, uh, David Merlin uh, of, of Seattle, uh, you're 58 years old, you're a bachelor, you're kind of a lifelong belligerent claimant in person. Uh, what is it that you've discovered about the motor vehicle statute of your state and maybe even of my listener's state here in Tennessee? Uh, well, I've, uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Tulis, for having me on your show once again. Uh, it's always a wonderful experience. You're a great host. 
and uh, your audience is lucky to have you. Uh, my name is David Merlin. Nothing you'll hear me say is intended as legal advice. Anything that sounds like that to you, just consider it something somebody else might do on a planet far, far away where the law matters. It doesn't matter here. I prove it on a daily basis. Believe it. Uh, my get ready to write. I've got a couple things to, to give you that will lead you to a whole bunch more information that I have on the web. So get ready to write. You're going to get the name of my website and a number for a talk shoe dot com page where an archive of my radio interviews and uh, other shows are posted for your listening enjoyment the motor vehicle code state by state generally is a title that seeks to regulate the exercise of the state-granted privilege of operating a motor vehicle upon the highways of the respective state. A state-granted privilege. We know that a state-granted privilege is not a right, and that a right is not a privilege. They're two different things. Recently, uh, very recently, you saw the merger or the collision of these two things where you have the state issuing licenses to get married and yet it's readily acknowledged that it's a common law right it's a constitutional right to get married what are they doing licensing a right and this is where they jumped right over regulating a right into granting a privilege they're two different things and without getting into that decision uh, you're welcome. The uh, topic <laughs> of the difference between a state-granted privilege and a constitutional right is where uh, the argument is made when I make the argument that I have a right to use the road and therefore the privilege code does not apply to me. And it's one thing to say that the legislature did not do something. It's another thing altogether to say this is what the legislature did. The first one is before research and the second one is after research. When you research the law to find out what the legislature in fact has done versus the first one, you're not going to make a constitutional right a privilege, are you? That's without research. I presume the legislature has not done that to us. Well, we just have to pass the bill to find out what's in it. You heard Nancy Pelosi say that about the health care bill. You'll notice that I did not use the president's name to describe the health care bill. You're welcome. We all, we all woke up to the terrible news this morning out of Washington, D.C. It's all over the Internet. We got the same president today as we did yesterday but we shall persevere. Now, um, I have the right to travel is the argument I make, and I have not, of course, I'm not going to go 50 states, state by state, and start in 1909, 1910, where the first motor vehicle codes were put into place and uh, research each of the 50 states and bring it forward to find that the legislature drafted a very narrow 
code to begin with and never broadened it to include vehicles that aren't used in commerce upon the streets. But that's the fact in Washington State. Uh, 1915 to 1921, there was a very narrow definition of motor vehicle and public highway that obviously applied the motor vehicle code only to those vehicles used in commerce on the street. And they never broadened it. They never stated an intent to widen the scope of the code to include other subjects. And in Washington State, this is uh, fall of 2005, I was reviewing a 17-page brief that I wrote for traffic court, and uh, ticket after ticket, they just ran from this brief, and were dismissing tickets. And I said, what the heck about this brief scares them so bad? And I read it like 10 times, and each of those 10 times, one particular phrase stood out to me. Obviously, because of how many Supreme Court cases I've read, uh, there was a particular phrase that sounded artful. It was Chapter 1, Section 1X of the Highway Licenses Act of 1961 here in Washington State that defined public highway as any way, lane, street, road, boulevard, or other surface open as a matter of right to public vehicular travel. And I said, that sounds artful. Open as a matter of right to public vehicular travel. I went to Google, I typed it in, I got 464,000 hits. It's in the law everywhere from coast to coast. And we know that they say, oh, it's not a right, it's a privilege granted by the state. And so I got a question. Listen to this paragraph from a 1925 U.S. Supreme Court case. You know, the Supreme Court, they can only decide the issues that are in front of the court. And this issue was not before the court, but they made a reference to it, and I read it as an invitation to litigate, uh, an invitation to bring the question before the court, because you might have a right right here that you're overlooking. Listen to this. Buck versus Kuykendall, 1925. The right to travel interstate by auto vehicle upon the public highways may be a privilege or immunity of citizens of the United States. A citizen may have, under the 14th Amendment, the right to travel and transport his property upon them by auto vehicle, but he has no right to make the highways his place of business by using them as a common carrier for hire. Such use is a privilege which may be granted or withheld by the state in its discretion without violating either the Due Process Clause or the Equal Protection Clause, end quote. So, so the point the there... Court. So the point they there, David... The question of, of whether or not you do have the right before the court, and so they're not deciding it, but they're sending up a flare saying, excuse me, but a citizen may have, under the 14th Amendment, the right to travel and transport his property. Now, let's just make a distinction here again, David Merlin, the distinction between private use and public use of the road. The man who's using uh, the roadway carrying people or goods for hire, he's in commerce, and he, I guess theoretically at least, would be subject to regulation by the legislature because he's making a profit on the public asset, which is the road, right? The road, uh, which the, the taxpayer has to pay for, and he's making a profit off of that public asset. The private user of the road... Uh, is not doing that. He's simply transporting himself and his goods and his family members and other people, not for hire, 
uh, on the road. He's not using the road uh, for, for, for his profit directly. Is that, is that right? Precisely. Okay. So, we'll go on. And, um, here, here's the part. Uh, I told everybody to get ready to write. Here you go. My website, we, v, gov, as in we the people versus government, we, v, gov, dot com. I've got a motor vehicle code page. And uh, on the motor vehicle code page, near the top of the page, you have that quote from Buck versus Kuykendall, 1925. Here's a 1935 Washington State Supreme Court decision, Neely versus Bach. It is well observed that a highway within the contemplation of the act is every way or place of whatever nature open as a matter of right to the use of the public for the purposes of vehicular travel. There can be no question but that this definition is broad enough to include streets in incorporated cities because they are open as a matter of right to the use of the public for purposes of vehicular travel. <laughs> and this phrase, open as a matter of right, is everywhere from coast to coast. On my motor vehicle code page on wevgov.com. That's wevgov.com. Yes. Well, go ahead. I'm just repeating your website. So what, what make the, the top, distinction there? Near the top of the page on wevgov.com, motor vehicle code page, you see four links for four different search engines, Bing, Yahoo, Google, and AltaVista. I'm going to click on Google, and it gives me the results for the search for open as a matter of right to public vehicular travel, and I get 3.52 million hits. What if you put TN in everywhere front of from it. coast to coast? What if you put Tennessee in front of that uh, that phrase, uh, David Merlin? What do you get? In Tennessee, uh, here's a web address for a file that contains the results I found on the web, wevgovcom slash tulis.zip. That's tulis with a capital T, T-U-L-L-I-S. It's got one L. Zip. My name is one L. wevgov.com slash tulis.zip. Well, I'm not sure what the purpose and, uh, of having my name in there. Uh, David Merlin, my name has one L, by the way. And uh, well, all right. So where, where are we going with our discussion? We're trying to we're trying to sh suggest to the listener of our show here, uh, David of of Seattle, that that he has a right in traveling that he's not exercising because he somehow yielded his right to travel to obtain something evidently better, and that's a privilege. Why do people obtain the privilege of uh, of having a driver's license to use the public road? Why why does everybody do that? Why is it such a pervasive compulsion? Uh, in our modern day? Is it just propaganda, or are we somehow deficient in what we know? What's the problem, David I, Merlin? I make, the I make the argument that we haven't relinquished that right. We have been coerced out of it. We are being deprived of this right. It's so that government can make money. It's the same thing they did with the health care bill, the Internal Revenue Code. Everything is about money. Americans are rich. They have this great new country with this constitution and we're the bankers and we're going to move in here and we're going to take money from them all day long and uh, get the government so strapped that it's actually borrowing money that we print out of thin air and loan it to them with interest. Everything about this is about money. And what you have is a motor vehicle code that's only supposed to be enforced against companies enforced against individuals as well. And this is why the traffic court rules are so limited in scope. You can't raise certain challenges 
because companies don't have constitutional rights. Did you commit the infraction or didn't you? It's a, it's a court that's intended uh, originally to address violations by companies of regulations that regulate the use of the highways by people engaged in commerce. They said, we make a lot of money at this, let's just coerce everybody out of their right and make them take this privilege and don't teach the police enough so they're out there doing the job for us to steal a bunch of money. And when I say that, it may sound extreme, but understand, this brief of mine has been in court after court after court, and they typically tell the cop not to appear at the hearing so they can dismiss the ticket. They will not tell me where my right of public vehicular travel evaporated. It went somewhere, because it obviously existed at some point in time, and they can't go on the record with the the law that says we hereby broaden the scope of the motor vehicle code beyond its original intent which was commerce they can't come up with the law that did that we've been coerced into taking a privilege and along with that comes motor vehicle fuel excise tax motor vehicle tire excise tax license plates annual tabs emissions toll roads um the traffic tickets the bail, the, um, the uh, red light camera enforcement, everything motor vehicle code, everything motor vehicle now, applies let- only to the privilege of operating a motor vehicle when the Supreme Court at one point in time says, you know, a citizen might have a right to do this. It's not a privilege. Well, let, let me ask you, David Merlin uh, of Seattle, uh, the operator of wevgov.com, a question about my listener's constitutional rights. He has a constitutional right to travel about without being waylaid by the police unless there's probable cause or warrant for his arrest. How is it that uh, police agencies and sheriff's departments uh, convert uh, by, by harassment, perhaps, uh, that, that, that innocent and harmless activity of using the public road into a crime? How do they show, how do these agencies at trial show mens re, which is to say guilty mind? Every criminal case has to have the element of guilty mind. That the, that the defendant knew he was doing something wrong and he deliberately violated that wrong or uh, violated the law or didn't care about it. When is mens re or guilty mind ever brought up as part of the accusation? And why do lawyers not, as far as I know, use that as a defense in these traffic cases? Well, um, first off, traffic court is a very lowly station among public servants. Traffic court is the, the divorce attorney of enforcement it's it's the it's the slime uh, it's the grease in the wheels there's nothing lofty or glamorous about being a traffic court right. judge those are called corporation they, courts. they are there they are there to bring in the money and their job is measured by how much money they make and so if you raise an issue like this you have to do so with the determination to appeal it because it will always result in that. There, I have no faith whatsoever in any judge. And uh, mens rea, or scienter, is the belief that you broke the law. The if knowledge you that you broke to it. break the law. That's uh, mens rea. It's my intent to break the law. If you don't have that intent, then you're not guilty. June 1st of this year, June 1st, just a couple months ago, uh, the Supreme Court reversed a conviction where a guy had posted some extremely violent 
and disturbing rhetoric on his Facebook page that makes it interstate commerce and um, about taking a shotgun into a kindergarten class and launching a mortar on his ex-wife's house and a bunch of other really nasty stuff in the case of Anthony Alonis versus the United States. His last name is spelled E-L-O-N-I-S. And um, his conviction was overturned because the jury instruction at trial was that if a reasonable person would read this and believe that they or somebody else was in danger, then the guy is guilty. And the Supreme Court said, oh, no, no, that he was entitled to another jury instruction that says if you don't believe he intended to break the law, he's innocent. This is David Tillis. We're so talking with hope. David Merland in Seattle. Uh, hang on, David. Uh, we are. Uh, I've got some important messages I want the listener to hear uh, that uh, help support our station. We are AM 1240 Hot News Talk Radio. We're talking with David Merland the operator of a website, wevgov.com, in which he has a, an entire section devoted to the questions that I'm raising here in Tennessee regarding the right to travel versus the privilege of operating a motor vehicle on the road. Is there a right to travel, uh, or must we ask permission from Nashville and the government there uh, to travel about? We have the idea here at uh, Hot News Talk Radio that near is better than far, that small is better than big, that simple beats complex. And in the footnotes, which I always like, uh, having made my argument in three points and no more, there's this, personal is better than corporate and physical than abstract. That's the theory of local economy and the free market here in Chattanooga and beyond. If you're beyond, uh, that's quite all right. We have on the phone uh, a writer and a, a belligerent claimant in person, a man who's often in court making an argument for the marketplace and for liberty. His name is David Merlin. Uh, David, uh, in 2012, Governor Bredesen uh, had, a, had a paper uh, that is called the State of Tennessee Strategic Highway Safety Plan, and he says in it that the highway is, quote, and I think the quote you really like, the entire width between boundary lines of every 
way publicly maintained. I'm oh, sorry, wrong, wrong quote. Uh, he said, um, <laughs> I, I lost the quote here, but he said essentially that uh, uh, that. That um, here it is. That any the the a traffic way is any road, street, or highway open to the public as a matter of right, he says, or custom for moving persons or property from one place to another. What does as a matter of right mean, and how is it that uh, that my my listener might be charged by with a crime uh, if he drives without a a state form of permission called the driver license? David Merlin. It's a matter of. Uh right versus a matter of privilege. A right is not a privilege, and a privilege is not a right. What does that mean? When they, when they confuse the two, you see what happens in relation to, for instance, marriage licenses. It's a right. What is the state doing in the middle of that, calling it a privilege by licensing it? And so uh, you have interference with a right. But what's most important is that in legislation, you have references to open as a matter of right. I want to know where that right is, because it sure isn't manifest in modes of enforcement I experience on a daily basis when I have to put tabs on my license plates, license plates on my car, I have to pay motor vehicle fuel excise tax. Where did my right go? It's, it's gone. It's in the law, but it's not in public. And I want to know why I don't have that right anymore. But you say you do. (laughs) Go on. You you say you do have that right, and you're you're trying to find a way to exercise it, David Merlin. That's the main. That's the main crux of the argument. And we have, as I stated earlier, uh, this quote from the Supreme Court that says a citizen may have, under the Fourteenth Amendment, the right to travel and transport his property upon them by auto vehicle but he has no right to make the highways his place of business. That's a privilege which may be granted or withheld by the state. And taxed. That's a very clean expression that really uh, is very close to that statement you just read from the governor from 2012. Very similar. It's the same expression, and I want to know where that right went, which forces you to go to the Motor Vehicle Code from its inception, or ab initio, what did it apply to? The first Motor Vehicle Codes applied to motorized vehicles, not engines. These were electric trucks that were big enough to hold loads of goods that moved around the cities uh, to take and deliver goods or persons. Motorized, that means they had big old motors to push the wheels, electric motors. And if they have electric motors that are that big, you can imagine how big the batteries were. And these trucks weighed so much that they were messing up the streets. And so they, uh, and plus uh, there was no white line down the middle of the road, no turn lane, no traffic lights. And so they needed to be regulated so that other people weren't harmed by these big cumbersome vehicles and their weights would be controlled so they couldn't go on roads that weren't built up uh, sufficiently to handle the weight of certain vehicles. And that's why you have the gross weight limit beside the road on the signs or the gross weight sticker on the truck. It all came from that. 
and the first motor vehicle code will be written in a way to address itself only to those vehicles used in commerce upon the highways. And nowhere will you find any place where the legislature expressed an intent to broaden the scope of the code to apply to different subjects. And that's why you still have reference in the law to highways being open as a matter of right, because the right never went anywhere. It was simply enforced out of existence through coercion and through, it's a perfect storm, coercion, dishonesty, and then our ignorance of the law as a society. Those three components. Public servants have no honor, and they're willing to steal from you. You put the law right in front of them, they'll look the other way so they can still get your money. And that leads back to the mens rea. Did I have intent to violate the law? I've studied the law. Here it all is, Your Honor, in brief. And you put it in front of them, and they can't deny it. And you have this decision from June 1st of this year, conviction overturned, and the court, Supreme Court said that you have to intend to break the law. The jury instruction that said uh, if somebody would believe this guy threatened them, then he's guilty, that's an insufficient jury instruction. There should have been one that says he has to have intended to violate the law, and since the jury instructions were insufficient, uh, he's not guilty. But the government's brief from page 17 to 46, 30 pages, the government argued against that being the standard, and the Supreme Court said this has been the standard for decades, okay? It's a, a fundamental tenet of criminal law here that you're not guilty if you didn't intend to break the law. And here the government is arguing for 30 pages against the standard. So. Uh, don't expect to win on it. It's brand new. The government disposed of it years ago, and the Supreme Court just revived it, saying, excuse me, but this is the way it's always been. And this is America in its fairness here, and you have to intend to break the law to be guilty. And if somebody comes in traffic court and they got a bunch of research that proves the law reads a certain way and they can't contradict it on the record, you've made your argument successfully, and now the onus is on the judge to either pull out his corruption and fondle it in public or decide in your favor. And it's going to be corruption every time they'll force you to appeal it because the traffic court judge isn't willing to be political. He's got his piddly little job. Well, we have to remember... And he makes his money. David Merlin. Uh, you, you won't win on the first level. It'll well, that's, that's quite a right. It's quite a right that my listener all. doesn't win on the first level. David Merlin, it's quite a right that the listener who's involved in, in this question doesn't win on the first level because an appeal is really what you want. You want a recorded decision. Uh, decisions in corporation courts or city courts or traffic courts are not courts of record and uh, have, to have a case disposed in your favor there is no real victory because it doesn't help anybody else. What, what, the, what the listener needs to understand is that there needs to be a, a courts of record where these, uh, these arguments that you're making about the liberty of travel uh, are brought into, sure. uh, into the appellate record. Now you're talking about yeah, the case there, hang on, there are two different interests. One, I want to win my own case so my bacon doesn't end up in jail. Right. <laughs> number two, I want to help other people. Right. <laughs> my liberty is always number one, and so if I can win at the lower level by hook right. or by crook, that I don't mean dishonestly, yeah. <laughs> but I'll take the victory at the lower level. Yeah, one does However, not the lose Supreme on purpose. Court has said 
that we look to the Court of Appeals for clearly established law. So if you're on appeal and you win, then you help a lot of people because they can look to that decision and call it clearly established law. Well, uh, we're talking with uh, David Merlin. This is David Tulis. Now, the question is regarding a recent case, Alonis versus U.S., and the, the high court defended and demanded that laws be uh, be used and, and interpreted to have the, the requirement of mens re or guilty mind. Guilty mind uh, means that the the person, the defendant, knew he was violating a law and can therefore be convicted on the knowledge. But if the defendant didn't have mens re or guilty mind, also called scienter, then he can't be found guilty. In other words, uh, that opinion is kind of a shot across the bow against Congress, which writes many laws that are called strict liability, in which you don't have to have uh, explicitly, you don't have to have a motive to break the law in them. So the question we're, question we're asking David Merland is, well, what about these traffic cases where uh, where people like uh, Mexicans or here immigrants or people who don't drive, who drive without a driver's license as a matter of principle and, and, and a matter of liberty, why, why are they not accused of, uh, why are they not accused of intentionally violating the law when they often are people who know exactly what their rights are, know exactly that they have a right to travel by the, the vehicle of their choice not uh, they're doing it privately they're not subject to regulation and they don't have to have a driver's license based on the Tennessee code so what talk hey. about men's ray then a little bit more David Merlin well it's a lost principle like I said you have the Department of Justice which is something like a quarter million US attorneys that think men's rea doesn't count they and the Supreme Court said whether the statute says willingly or knowingly it doesn't matter. You have to read it into every criminal statute. It exists. It's a it's a tenet that doesn't need to be restated in every statute. And you got the government arguing for 30 pages against it. And so it's something that if you don't know exists, you lose. You can't make the argument. And that term you cited is the one that's been escaping me to this point. To this point, strict liability. It's not strict liability. Right. That it, it escapes the tenet of mens rea. You have to read it into every statute. You can't enforce strict liability well, I'm, statutes. I'm, I'm glad you're mentioning that ruling. I'm glad you're mentioning David Merlin that ruling. Uh, David Merlin is with us from wevgov.com. He's a, a legal activist on several topics, including the right to travel and, and uh, helping people resist claims of states around the country uh, that say there is no right to travel. There is only the privilege of, uh, of being a licensed driver. So, uh, Alonis versus U.S. sounds like very good news for my listener, good news for liberty on the, on the whole. Well, David Merlin, let me ask you about the whole idea of administrative law. In Tennessee, my, my readings uh, suggest that the, the driver's license system, the whole Department of Safety, uh, operates in administrative law. It is an executive agency, uh, and the administrative law never trumps constitutional law that might be uh, usable by my listener, perhaps, uh, in exercising a constitutional right. If you're, if you're exercising a constitutional right, uh, David Merlin, you cannot be subjected to administrative law. Is that true? They can regulate constitutional rights. They can regulate the exercise of rights. A great example, first one that comes to my mind is, can you open carry? Can you take your gun into a theater or a nightclub? So forth. They're regulating rights. And in all of my 27 years, I've never made an argument that concerned administrative law. Never once that you start with statute, and over here you have constitution. And where they conflict, you make an argument. 
the administration, administrative agency always has to follow statute. So it doesn't matter to me what administrative regulations they've written, what administrative law they're going by. If it's contrary to statute, it's unlawful. If statute is unconstitutional, it's void. And those, that's the entire scope of my approach. And I found, and this, we spoke about this yesterday, um, this administration, 2008 campaign trail, and if you're driving, you're going to want to pull over because this is going to make you break up crying or laughing or both. <laughs> Change we need. Transparency. Take government back. Okay? Those were the tenets of this campaign. Take government back. And we all know we got the exact opposite. No transparency. We can't control the government now. We thought it was out of control before. That was nothing compared to this. And the toilet's backed up, and now everybody's everybody's in this mode of cleaning the toilet. When you clean a toilet, do you leave part of it unclean? No. You clean the whole thing. <laughs> and so I'm on this push to shrink government. You're under. You're working under the rim, you know, I guess. I say you're working on the toilet rim, the part that you don't see where all the little mold uh, stains oh, are. Wherever it's dirty and you just might not have thought about it, I'm going to give you those thoughts. If you're going to shrink government, you know that's the key. If government was smaller, they'd have a lot less to do to you. And so it, to shrink government, the easiest way to do it is to shrink revenue. And I concentrate on the illegal revenue streams, like enforcing the motor vehicle code upon public vehicular travelers, like misenforcing the internal revenue code to steal your money. It's all on wevgov.com. And uh, you'll see a link in the menu column to YouTube 2. Click on YouTube 2. It'll take you to my free YouTube seminars. Talkshoe.com is a great site with a whole bunch of archive calls from everybody and their mother. My page is 59615. Talkshoe.com, type in 59615 in the caller ID window, 59615, and you'll come to my page. My show is called No Confidence, and you'll see that I focus on the Motor Vehicle Code, the Federal Internal Revenue Code, and state income taxes to prove that they're stealing by using statute only. I'm the only one that does this. I know what everybody else teaches, and they haven't done the work. They stopped short, and you shrink government by shrinking revenue, and that's why uh, Dave has got me on his call today is because this particular aspect of misenforcement costs us a lot of money and puts enough money in the pocket of public servants to where they can point a beam at our house and know where in our house we're sitting uh, they can hack into our computers. They can get our cell phone conversations and all the rest of the ways they use the money against us when they never had it coming in the first place. That's well, what I'm about. I call I call uh, the good people that that David Merlin because uh, David Merlin because I don't want my listener to hate the good people. I want them to understand that they are exploiting weaknesses that are uh, that are offered against the public by the law. Uh, but often that there that there's really more liberty uh, than the listener realizes that the, li the listener has more freedom than he is willing to believe and he doesn't know he has them because he's never heard 
uh, the arguments that he may have them. And what I'm, what I'm not confident of, though, uh, David, is that people like my listener will suddenly take up arms against the Department of Safety. That, that's not going to happen. Uh, what practically do you think can happen? How, how can American people work toward having more liberty one small step at a time? Nothing violent, nothing big, nothing really exciting. What, what are ways we can reduce our exposure to the modern welfare and regulatory state? Uh, what, what about uh, the, the, first, the first thing, and I think the most important thing, is numbers. The more people that know this, the fewer public servants you'll have that are uh, willing to try and get away with it. <laughs> it's a matter of how big is your side. Our side is just a smattering. They just woke up because of this president. And before that, they were all asleep. And now a lot of people are more disgruntled than than the number of people that were disgruntled before because of the outrageous conduct, the militarization of the police, um, the abuses that we see in uh, different states. You had the Wisconsin uh state police and uh, municipal police going retaliating against people that came out against the police union. Um, just different instances all over the United States and the federal government out of control and in, into things they shouldn't even be involved in and uh, prosecuting parents for letting their children play alone in the park. Hello? <laughs> and so a lot of people are waking up and if you couple their their apprehension of government and their displeasure with knowledge you have a much more effective protester and so numbers the more people that know a couple of very simple arguments they can begin to turn the tide against illegal revenue streams so what you're what you're suggesting david is uh, is that if we say no to the good people that we say no with a bit of information under our belts a bit of uh, a bit of sense of what how the law really works and the, the last thing though my listener wants to be is a is a defendant that's the last thing he wants to be uh, and the last thing he wants to be is to you know not renew his driver's license when it comes due every four or every five or six years he doesn't want to be that kind of person on the other hand he knows he has a stake in the things you're describing we have a stake in what you're saying but we just don't know how to get there we don't know how to use these legal points uh, to our advantage we don't know how to say no and make it stick and so you educate your public servants along the way before you become a defendant before you take the plates off your car you send a bunch of letters with information to your state legislators and say where since this first motor vehicle code did the legislature broaden the scope to include vehicles other than those engaged in commerce and if you can't say where i need you to send a notice to my local cops telling them to leave me alone when they see me with no plates come on well those are those are a few and you, people <laughs> and you engage them uh -huh. and start a dialogue and it's it's civic duty you're picking up the handles Civic <laughs> duty, and you're turning the crank. I'm a I'm a homeschool dad. First. I'm a homeschool dad, David, and that sounds like a great uh, a great senior project for a 17 year old uh, to read the law. Say, I'm going to start driving without a driver's license, and I'm going to have these grounds. And the thing is that you can establish your your good faith. You can establish lack of scienter, lack of mens rea. That is to say, the guilty mind. Uh, a, home, a good high school homeschool project would be I want to establish that I do have this right and I'm going to have my notebook in the car with me at all times and I'm willing to be subjected to arrest I'm willing to be subjected to citation I'll, I'll if I'm cited to traffic court or city court I'll waive the court and demand to be indicted 
and, and so on. And that way, that's a great legal education for a young person, 17 or 18. It could be done as a, as a great high school project by some libertarian or liberty-minded young person, David Merland of uh, WeVGov.com. So what do you think? Uh, what you just did was brilliant, and it has a very particular name. It's called Dianatic Reasoning. You, you have one conclusion, and then you have another conclusion, and therefore the third conclusion. And what you just did was you said, okay, I'm going to do this. It would be a great project, and if you can't deny it, do I have mens rea? And exactly. that's adding one to the other to equal the goal. That's great. And my, it's, and my, uh, it's yeah. jurisprudential addition. It's mathematics law style. That was great. Well, listen, uh, I do appreciate your talk with my listener and me, David Merlin. Give your website one more time. WeVGov.com, W-E-V-G-O-V.com. My talk show <laughs> page is 59615. On WeVGov.com, on the left-hand side in the menu column, you'll see a link that says YouTube 2. It'll take you to my free seminars on YouTube about income taxes, and there's one on public vehicular travel. I hope you enjoy the site. There's a ton of information there, and uh, it's about civic duty. It's well, a duty we all have, and uh, I'm trying to propagate it in the minds of, uh, of those who uh, still have hope. The David Merland is a definite troublemaker out of Seattle. And, uh, David, we thank you for joining us here at uh, the David Tulis Show. Call me anytime, understand? David Tulis is uh, my name. I do thank you for giving us a couple minutes of your time. We've been talking with a, a man who's a dissenter. He says no. He is a, a belligerent claimant in person. He stands on his rights, and he says that, no, I'm not going to go along with this plan. I'm not going along with this form. Make me and show me. Show me is his big catchphrase, I suppose. And uh, if you go to Nuganomics.com, you can read a study that I've just published this morning that looks into some of the, the moldy archives about our situation in Tennessee. We're really much freer, much freer than you think. That concludes this episode of No Confidence. A uh, wonderful interview, I think. It's always a pleasure to appear on uh, David Tulis's show. And uh, I hope you take advantage of the archive here at TalkShoe.com, show number 59615, No Confidence. And you also want to visit website, WeVGov.com, WeVGov.com. There's also an archive of interviews on Talk Shoe 87488. That's American Liberties 87488. My name is David Merlin. I'll see you on the next episode. I say good show. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.